0: In Ephesians chapter three, I'm going to start with verses seven and eight, and it says this: "Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ." Okay, so so Paul, Paul Paul's calling was to proclaim the gospel as a minister. Now, the word for minister in the Greek is diakonos, which means servant. Okay, so Paul was called to be a servant of the gospel according to the gift of God's grace. Paul here emphasizes too that he didn't make himself a minister, Okay, that wasn't a, a, a thing that he chose, that he sought after. Uh, we read in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25, he says, Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And so the calling, the message, the work, and the empowering all came from God. And we see throughout Paul's writings uh, in the New Testament, we see this, this theme of grace. And, and, and Paul experienced this incredible saving grace uh, in a dramatic conversion. And, and he alludes to the grace that he's experienced in, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 14, when he says, And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. With the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, so he describes the saving uh, grace that that he experienced, how it how it literally overflowed uh, uh, upon him, which is just an incredible thought. Um, and because Paul understood uh, this grace and held on to this grace in such a um, profound way, we also see this in- incredible sense of humility that Paul had. See, lack of humility al- always points to a disconnect with grace. See, he says, grace was given to me. He says that twice in verses 7 and 8. And and he deflects away attention. When when we see people giving him attention, giving him praise, he continues to deflect that out uh, to, to, to God. And so he continues to make it about God's grace and not about himself. He refers to himself in these passages as what? The very least of all saints. In other words, he's the least of the least. That's how he sees himself. And, and this isn't like, you know, I, I think maybe we've heard people say, oh, I'm just horrible at this. And, then, and it's almost like a fake humility. This is not a fake humility. This is an honest assessment of himself that he's sharing with us. And the reason for that is because he has such a clear comprehension of the righteousness of God. See, when we have a very clear comprehension of the righteousness of God, we also have a clear understanding of how f- far short we are of that. And, and what that brings is a humility and it brings this incredible sense of, of just thankfulness because even to the end of Paul's life, uh, you know, you think about, um, the end of your life and, and typically you reflect and, and you think about even some of the things that you did well and maybe how, how, yeah, like, man, that's, that's pretty awesome that I was able to do this or be a part of that. And in first Timothy one 15, Paul says towards the end of his life, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So even towards the end, he was overwhelmed by this incredible sense of unworthiness of this grace that he received. You know, when you think of an attitude like that, that's not disqualifying, that's actually something that, that, that is qualifying. Uh, that's, that's something that, that, we should, that we should have within us because um, the, the moment I know when I start to feel like I'm worthy uh, of God, uh, that I'm worthy of the grace that was given to me, that's typically the start of, of me uh, going down this road of just pride. And, and that's when I start to lose sight of what this is really about. People tell me uh, at different times when I, when I share the gospel, like, Steve, I just don't feel like I deserve that. Like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm good enough uh, to, to receive that. And I go, guess what? You're not. That's actually the power of the gospel. That's the power of uh, his grace. And, and we see that he feels privileged to be able to serve Jesus. He's privileged to be able to do this. The question is, do I feel privileged to do this? Do you feel privileged to serve Jesus, or is it I have to serve Jesus? Paul also experienced, you know, we we looked at like this humility, this effect that that when we receive God's grace, how it brings uh, this humility into our lives, And, and we see that. But then also we see that Paul experienced God's empowerment through the grace that God gave him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10, it says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. And this is huge. It says, Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So, so he literally says this grace that he received that, that brought this incredible humility into his life, this grace also empowers him. This grace brings power into our lives. It brings brings power as we share. God uses that in incredible ways, and he ties grace and power together uh, in verse 7. And as you uh, desire and as you pursue Jesus and walk with him and proclaim him, you will see God's grace give you power. The Lord powerfully brought his grace to Paul uh, on that Damascus road when, when, when he received Jesus. And, and, and the Lord's gracious power continued to sustain Paul in his ministry. See, grace is active. Grace is not something you receive and then you stockpile it up. No, you receive it and then you dispense it, right? Um, like for some of us, when we get paid, uh, it very rarely stays in our bank account. Uh, In fact, for some of us, as soon as it hits the bank account, in fact, it barely touches your bank account and then it's out and you're spending it, right? Grace was never meant to be something that you just held on to uh, and, and just built up for yourself. No, you receive grace. And just as you receive it, just as Paul received it in dramatic fashion, you then give that to other people. You share that. You allow God to empower this grace in your life and you bring it to other people. The Lord is the power behind the minister. In Colossians 1.29, it says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. And so what we see is, once again, Paul declaring the power of God provides the necessary strength that he's going to need to have, that we're going to need to have, to do whatever he's called us to do. And his grace drives us, and we live and proclaim it, we experience God's power. We experienced that incredible power. You know, it's interesting. I, heard, I had a couple different people uh, this week share stories with me how they felt like God was leading them either to share with someone that they were afraid to share with or even like give an invite card um, to somebody. And, and they just felt, felt very strongly. God was like, okay, let's do this. And, and when they did that, they were sharing with me how these, these responses from these people could only be described in their, in their mind as the power of God because they, they just couldn't comprehend how these people responded, how these people said, I needed exactly what you just said to me right at this moment. That's the power of God. We don't, we don't know that. We can't predict that. And then we see in verses 8 and 9, it says this. It says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So God empowered Paul to proclaim to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Okay, The the unsearchable. Job, who suffered greatly, he speaks multiple times in the book of Job of the unsearchable ways of God. Paul, uh, in Romans 11:33 writes, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his words. Ways so literally they're talking about like you cannot it's like hide and go seek but you never fully find them okay like like God's uh, unsearchable uh, truths God who He is these riches that He provides we continue to to like go after it and we experience more and more and yet we never fully arrive because it's so rich what are these riches it's who He is it's what He's about it's what He offers it's the fullness of God and so He said so He's Literally saying how, how he's, his purpose is to tell believers how rich they are in Christ. So this new people group, these these Christians, he's saying, listen, I have been commissioned to tell you how rich you are in Christ. This new standing that you have in Christ, all that God is, all that he has, is available to you now through Christ. And and when I think about this uh, for us today, it is so important, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, to understand the greatness of the riches that you have in Jesus Christ. You have full access but here's the reality before we can really do what God's called us to do, we need to understand what He's already done for us. I think that's one of the, the powerful things when we look at Ephesians. I have been reminded weekly as I've studied and prepped to deliver these messages uh, that, that, that literally, uh, God, why me? Why? Like, I keep asking that, like, because I'm so blown away. At, at what he gives us, what he invites us into. Like, like I, I mean, as you study through what we've, and you just, if you've just tuned in today for the first time, read Ephesians. It's crazy when we look at how God created the church and what he invites us into and what that looks like, what that means for you and for me. And, and like I said, weekly, as I'm preparing, every time I'm just going, wow, God, I just can't believe this. I've studied this before, but man, God, this is incredible that that, that you would bring us into this, that you would allow us to experience this. And he says uh, in verse 9 there, he, he said, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So, so Paul also had received grace in order to explain the global nature of God's plan, right? It wasn't just for a particular people group. Uh, it, it's a global initiative. He was sent to bring light to who, it says? To everyone, to everyone what the plan is of this this mystery that's been hidden uh, for ages in God and we see uh, from Ephesians 1 chapter uh, chapter 1 verse 18 how he prayed for illumination and now he uses the same word to describe his role in illuminating God's plan to Christians now what is that plan Well, last week we we saw that in in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2 through 6. He reaffirmed that, that the plan is how the Jews and the Gentiles are now one in Christ. So Paul is commissioned to explain this new glorious reality. He emphasizes in this even the sovereignty of God in all of this, right? Uh, he says, God who created all things. Now, why is that important? That's so important because it helps us to under- understand that this plan was not an afterthought. You know, it's interesting. Uh, for a lot of us in the last few days, we've been making a lot of reactionary decisions, right? Right? We're like we, we, we didn't plan out what's happened. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't know we were going to freak out and need a whole bunch of toilet paper, apparently. Uh, we didn't know all of that was going to happen a week ago. And yet, here we are in this place where we're just reacting. We're glued to the news and all of this. And one of the things that I see here is when he says God has cr- who created all things is like God is operating on an eternal plane, not in the temporary. And God had mapped out, thought through this knew his plan from the very beginning and so and so Paul is saying listen you are not an afterthought this wasn't a recovery mission no this was God knew this all along he's a creator of all things and, and in this, we see uh, the, centrality, the centrality of Christ, and we see even the global nature of Christianity. But in verses 10 and 11, then it says, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul adds this just crazy point to our theology of the church. He's already blown our minds with all these things. But then he says this, and this is this is just this rocked me this week as I was being reminded of this. But he tells us that the church is making known the manifold wisdom. Now, manifold, um, a related word, was used to describe Joseph in the Old Testament. You remember his multicolored coat? Uh, and, and, and we see this word, multifaceted. So, so literally, he tells us that the church is making known the manifold, this multifaceted wisdom of God to who, it says? To the rulers and authorities in the heavens. I know. I wish I could see your faces right now because this is crazy. These rulers and authorities, these are, these are probably both the good and the bad heavenly beings, right? The angels, we see demons, uh, and, and, and so the angels are looking on, and they're seeing this and marveling at the grace that is being given and being demonstrated, and then we, we know that demonic forces are looking, except they're looking in fear, and they're trembling because the evil forces, they know they've already been defeated by the cross. And so they're waiting their final sentencing, They're freaking out. See, the existence of the church is announcing that their rule is coming to an end once and for all because we know how the story ends. See, we have limited knowledge of these uh, spiritual beings, but it appears that they are not omniscient by what we read throughout Scripture. Peter seems to allude to this idea uh, when he says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 12, when he says, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And this is where it gets interesting. Things into which angels long to look. Things into which angels are desiring to see, to experience. So God intends to make his plan known to them through the church. Uh, One of the commentators, when I was studying this, he wrote, they watch fascinated as they see Gentiles and Jews being incorporated into the new society as equals. So his grace and his glory are displayed to all of them that are watching in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in and through a diverse people, a multicultural and multiethnic fellowship who've been called, redeemed, forgiven, made alive, and united in Christ. They see him taking Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, who, who together murdered the Messiah on the Christ. And then we see him making them by that same cross, one spiritual body in Jesus Christ. They're seeing this. They're marveling in this. They see Jesus breaking down every barrier that divides uh, make, and making all believers in one eternal union with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And we we see and we know that, that every person who repents and turns to Jesus, that's another spiritual stone in God's temple. That's another member into his body that he adopts. And when that happens, Luke 15.10 says this. It says... Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. They see that, and it brings them incredible joy. They are celebrating when somebody gives their life to Jesus. I tell you what, there is more going on with the church than meets the eye. If you're part of the church, then you are a part of this incredible sermon that is being preached to spiritual rulers and authorities. God is teaching these angelic beings about his manifold wisdom, and the church is the tool he's using as the illustration. And this had all been a, minis- a, a mystery. Like, like you look at angels are watching us because we are part of this incredible mystery of God's incredible wisdom. We have a much larger viewing audience than any of us realize, and I, and I don't say that to bring fear into your eyes, uh, but, but I, I'm reminded when I was studying this, I, I, you know, I have three little boys, and I'm still, thankfully, uh, at a time and place uh, as their father where they think I'm cool um, and I know that window is very small, and it's going to leave very quickly. But at this point in time, uh, they think I'm cool. And, uh, and, and so they watch what I do. They listen to what I say, for better or worse. And, and they want to emulate that because they think that's something really cool uh, that they aspire to do. And, and, and so I think about like what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, my actions, all of that. They're looking at that. And the question is, am I pointing them to God, right? Like as we see kids watching us and, and what we're doing, am I pointing them to God? And uh, am I causing them to be amazed at who God is and how he loves them? Isn't it an incredible thought to think that the angels, uh, the demons, are literally watching us and we are displaying the manifold wisdom of God as a church what an incredible thought and 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 so like the, the emphasis here is not on us, like, preaching to them. In other words, like, I don't prepare sermons going, what do the angels and the demons need to hear today? I don't do that. No, uh, and that's not the point. The point is that God is revealing his plan to the powers through the existence of the church. Now, here's what's crazy. Can you imagine the people, these normal people, uh, when when this circular letter being uh, read out loud to these people around Ephesus as they're coming together and they're hearing? this from all these different backgrounds they're leaning in there to listen as this letter is being read to them about the church like think of what their thoughts must have gone towards like they must have just been blown away how incredible is this wait a second god is using us to display his wisdom to all of them what a crazy thought do not ever underestimate the glory of god in the church and according to, to verse uh, 11 here, uh, it said, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, remember, once again, uh, that, that there was an eternal purpose, an eternal plan. This was not a reactionary move. God had a plan with all of this. And we see that Jesus is the central character in this plan. It goes back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, when it said, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth jesus is central In verses 12 and 13 it says in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him so i ask you not to lose heart over what i am suffering for you which is your glory so part of the, of the mystery is that Christians can now experience this nearness to God. And, and we looked a, a few weeks back, you know, Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father which means we can we can come boldly freely openly and without constraint to the father we can approach god in this way in other words if you are a christian you can pray at any place at any time you can go before him with with confidence openly transparently because hebrews 4 14 through 16 says this Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now I know we touched on this a few weeks back, but with everything that's gone on in our culture, everything that's going on around our world. God was very clear. Steve, emphasize this again. Emphasize the access to me. Don't shortchange this part. People need to know uh, as they're struggling through thoughts, feelings, emotions, anxiousness, fear, all these things, the what-ifs. They need to know that they can approach me at any point in time, that they can have confidence, that they can know that they will find grace in their time of need, that they can experience hope in that, that they don't have to hide, they don't have to put together this like perfect uh, speech to him, to, to him. No, no, no. People can come and approach him with transparency, with vulnerability, with realness, knowing that the Father cares, wants to listen, is here. Here with us. That is such an important thing that we can seek God through prayer, through Christ by the Spirit. We know that he hears us. We're not alone. You're not alone. Whatever you're going through, you're not alone. You know, in Judaism only the high priest uh, could enter the presence of God in the Holy of Holies and that was briefly once a year uh, on the Day of Atonement. And for anyone else that tried to go into God's presence uh, at that time, it meant instant death. But uh, now, Paul says, and for Gentiles, they, had, they, they were not even allowed into the main parts of the temple. And so Paul is saying, literally, now everything's changed. Everything's different now. As Christians in Christ, because of that, every person now can come, uh, that, that comes to a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they can now approach God and go with boldness and confidence to the Father And and, and he's saying, this is part of that mystery. This is part of that mystery that I'm revealing, letting you in on. What a privilege that they experienced listening and learning about that. And in light of that great privilege that Paul says, "I I get called to speak to you about, that I'm a servant of, he says, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. See, these people love Paul. They knew who he was. He wasn't some disconnected figure. He wasn't some voice like Alexis or Siri. Like, no, they knew Paul. They, 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 like, he had been uh, in that region. He had ministered. He had relationships. As he's writing this, no doubt he's thinking of particular people. And these people grieved over Paul being in prison. They grieved over the suffering. It seems like he continually went through. And he says, hold on a second. Hold on a second. And he reaffirms this in Romans 8.18 uh, when he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. He says similar in, in Philippians 1.12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You guys, like, like Paul looked at his suffering and he looked at it in light of the glory of God and he said it is an honor to have to suffer to go through imprisonment. It's an honor to have to go through that for you, for this mission, for this calling, for this message. So he says it's an honor to do that. It wasn't like, oh my goodness wh- uh, why-, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to once again and-, and go through this and here we go again and all these no no he's saying it was it's an honor to be able to serve on your behalf, to be able to to be uh, in between that 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 suffering experience I'll take the brunt of that you know um some of you have suffered on behalf of someone else. You know, some of you have gone through that. And, 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 I, and I've talked to people who have, whether they went in, in for a particular surgery or something to help somebody else out who needed like an organ or something. And, and you hear these incredible stories and you talk to these people. And when you talk to them, they don't say, oh, I know it was awful. I don't know why I did that for them. No, what you hear is it was an honor to suffer for them. It was an honor to go through that for their benefit. That's what Paul's saying. It is an honor for me uh, to to have to walk through this because I know that that by me going through this, God is doing something that he he wasn't going to do if I wasn't in this prison cell, if I wasn't suffering. And so he's using that, and I will gladly go through that. I will be the in between. Um, i was I was driving uh, one time and, and it was a very busy street and and there was kind of a hill on on side of, on the side of the street and and as I was driving, it just caught my eye as traffic was going this way uh, there was a, a mother and she had her son with her. and as the mother was walking along the street, she had her son walk uh, up the hill a ways and and at first I was like, What is she doing? And then as I watched closely um, at that, what she was really doing was she was trying to be a shield between her son and the oncoming traffic. She was trying to make sure that if anything happened, that she was the one that was going to take the brunt of that. She was going to do everything to protect her son, who she loved, who's got an incredible life ahead of him, and she wanted to be that person to stand in the gap. And as I'm watching her walk, it was not this like, oh my goodness, why am I a mother? Why, why? like, no. Like, like she literally was like, you stay up there. I am your defender. I am, I am doing this on behalf of you. And when you think of Paul, you guys, he loves these people so much. Much. He's so aware of this incredible mission and this calling to the grace of God that he's called to bring to these people. He says, listen, I will gladly, I will gladly take the brunt of this. I will gladly take the oncoming traffic or whatever that means, whatever suffering it may mean, for your benefit so that you can receive this incredible grace, so you can know and embrace the full richness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. ma'am." What an incredible guy. <laughs> to be able to say this to them, listen, guys, calm down. Calm down. What's happening to me is being done to honor and glorify God on your behalf. Rest in that. You know, when I think of the situations we find ourselves in, there's always more going on than what we know. You know, I, I, I think uh, for many of us, we've probably at one point in time had a very strong opinion about something. You're like, that's me right now. Uh, but at some point, we've had a very strong opinion. And, and maybe it was when we were younger, and maybe we were unaware, uneducated, hadn't really studied a particular thing that we, we have a very strong opinion about. But then all of a sudden, uh, later on, we actually learn about that subject or learn about the truth uh, in that. And we go, oh, my goodness, I really knew nothing about that uh, like I thought I did. You know what's so cool? As we look at the church, as we look at what God is telling us about this church, I am more and more finding myself going, oh my goodness, God, I didn't even grasp or comprehend how large this is, how what you're doing is so beyond, even of what my idea was of being rich. God, you're incredible. And so I just wanna encourage uh, all of you, there is so much more going on that God is doing on a sovereign level that is in alignment with his eternal plan. And so for us today, we get to walk forward confidently, not not because we've got it all figured out, no, but because we can rest in him. Because Paul says, like all of this is being done and it's gonna advance his glory. He's gonna do something unexplainable with this that's gonna communicate, not just to people around here, but literally to the angels of the manifold wisdom of God. What an opportunity that he's calling you and I into. And so I just want to encourage uh, all of us this morning. One, God loves you so much. Just think about, it. if you're a Jesus follower, what, what, what he's invited you into, what he's invited you to be a part of. You play a vital role in this. Walk in that. Embrace that. And know that he loves you so much that he's created this access. That, that, that he says you, you bring incredible value to this team, to uh, the, the, the Christian world now, through, to the church. And I'm going to use you. You're a, you're a piece in the new temple. You're a member of my body. And so walk in that. Let's celebrate that. And, uh, and in a moment, we're now going to sing uh, in response to that truth. And uh, let's just pray together.